give it up for the worship team this morning. Man, they did a killer, killer job. They sounded great. Um, I love this church. And um, I, a lot of times when I wake up in the morning, I get in my truck and I start to head this way. And I listen, I have what's called pre-worship service. And it's just me in my truck and on, on a song that I'm listening to. And I'm, I'm having a worship set and I'm just listening and listening and loving it. And um, I'm just glad um, that we get to come to a place like this and we get to worship God. And it's one thing to worship in your car by yourself, or maybe some of you guys, you're really good shower singers, and you sound really good in the shower. But it's another thing to come into the midst, into an environment like this, and worship together. And um, the Bible says, wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there I am. And so we're all here today. We're gathering in worship. And so I'm glad that we get to worship together today. Um, and last week, we, um, we were in our week two of our series called Strapped. And today is week three, and next week is week four. It's pretty simple. We go right in mathematical order. And I'm really, in my mind, in my heart, I'm already ready to speak week four. And so I'm like, I'm trying to pull myself back as I'll try to be pulling myself back the whole entire way through this, this talk. And so I want to talk to you about week three. But before I do, I want to let you know this. Um, we're doing, um, we're baptizing um, here October the 30th, October the 30th. And um, I think that's a Sunday. Yeah, October the 30th. And uh, we, if you haven't been, if you haven't, gone through believers baptism we'd love for you to be a part of that with us as a church this is this is your church now we love to baptize you we'd like to baptize be part of that and celebrate with you and so that's october the 30th next week we will be in we're doing a baptism class so if you if you're somewhat interested in baptism you're like i don't even know what that means or man i haven't been baptized before or you know what I'm, i want to be baptized but I don't, I don't know what all that means next week will be an informational right after the service it'll take about 15 minutes and we want to walk through what baptism is and give you some material so you can see if if you're ready to be baptized. And then um, also, last week we, we, we introduced to you guys that we were um, taking and were gathering supplies for Haiti. And um, all we needed was about 10 of these cans of Infamil. <laughs> and I think we have like 25 or 30, which I love that about our church. You guys just jump right in. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's awesome. <clears throat> Whoever started that clap, you get extra credit. And so, um, so yeah, we needed about 20 or 30 of these, and uh, one lady called me. She's like, I'm asking my office to bring some of these too. And so and we were just overwhelmed with this stuff, and so we'll drop this off um, to uh, them, and they'll get shipped over um, through, through mail. And we were able to gather um, some money together. We'll talk to you guys about that in just a moment. Because of your generosity, we were able to do that. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's where we're at right now. And then I, you guys already know this, but Halloween's coming up soon, and we're going to have a, a trunk or treat right back here. We're going to have bounce houses and hot dogs and candy and cotton candy and inflatables. And the one piece that we need all of us to do, we all need to, to chip in. This is for our community. And so we've already got 300-plus people on the invite interested in coming, and we already have almost 100 people coming to the event. So we need all of us to plug in. So we'd love for you to help us. You can sign up in the lobbies today. Also, you can take out your phone right now if you'd like to and just email info at hopewintergarden.com and just say I'm in. And um, we're doing some trunks. And uh, so if you've never done a trunk for a trunk or treat before, it's really simple. You just open up the back of your trunk and you decorate it. Now, along the way, my brother's not here today, but he is a, um, he loves competition. He's a competition guy. And, and uh, so he says, hey, I'm gonna, we're gonna, we need a prize for the winner. And, um, and he, I said, yeah, let's do it. He said, let's get a prize for the winner. I, he said, I'm, I'm going to donate a $75 gift card to Bonefish. How many of you guys have ever been to Bonefish? It's, I think we're going to be having that. I think that's going to be served when we get to heaven. It's so dang good. It's so dang I've only been one time, and I fell in love with the place. And I didn't, for a lot of you guys, you're like, oh, bang, bang, shrimp. I didn't fall in love with that. It's good. But right now, this is a season they have this plank um, salmon. It's cooked on this wood plank, and it's in bourbon sauce. 
And um, some of you guys are reading into that right now, and that's uh, totally fine. It was so good, and so I'm a believer now in that restaurant. Um, we're in a series called Strapped, okay? And so here's the kind of concept is I, I brought some of my straps up here today, but the reality is this, a lot of us in here, you, at some point in your life, or maybe, maybe right now, you have some sort of strap attached to your body, or some sort of strap that you're kind of walking through life and you're not running as fast as you can. You're not doing as well as you could be. You're not thinking the, at, the, at the highest level of thinking because you have some sort of strap wrapped around your arms. And, and, and reality is, is that we have them on and we're so used to having the straps on that over time you get used to having the straps wrapped around your body. And you're going through motion, you're going through being, if you're married, you're, you're, you're living in this house and, and you're strapped. Or maybe you're at your job or at your work and you're, maybe you're strapped there. Or maybe you're going to places with your friends and your family and they have people looking at you. And they're looking at you like, man, they are strapped. And the funny thing is that sometimes we don't even know that we have the straps on. <laughs> and so people are looking at us weird, like, what's wrong with that guy? And you walk up to you like, hey, why are you looking at me like this? Because I can see that you have straps on. I follow a lot of us on, I follow a lot of you guys on social media today and you can just tell by what we post the kind of straps that we have attached to our body. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist by no means, but I can, I can tell you right where you're at. I don't even have to, it'd be great if I could just sit down with you and have coffee with you for 10 or 15 minutes. That'd be awesome. But I could just follow your, your feed for about 10 days and I can tell you what your straps are. You're like, you can? <laughs> He's a prophet. I'm not. But what you post is what you're going through. And so I can look at you and I can talk to you and I can spend some time with you and I can say, man, you have these straps on. And if we were close enough and you said to me, hey, I'd like for you to tell me the kind of straps that you see that I'm wearing. Can you help me take them off? I would jump all over that. And probably some of you guys in here today, when you sit and you talk with me, maybe you'd say, man, I can tell you what kind of straps you have. <laughs> and you would say, can I help you with your straps? And the reality is, is I would embrace that because I want to be the best that I can be. And we ought to want, we ought to, we ought to want to be the best that we can be. We ought to want to be growing as fast as we can grow. We ought, to be, we ought to be moving along in the faith journey as long as we can go. My neighbor came up to me yesterday, and she goes, I got saved when I was 16 years old. I said, man, that's crazy. And she said, you know the kicker? She goes, I thought I would be so much further along in my journey. I said, well, tell me about your journey. You know the piece that she was missing in her whole entire journey? She had never done life with people. And we're meant to do life with people. You, you've heard me say it a thousand times, the, the old the, the proverb, the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I am embracing that at the highest level possible this week. This week I started CrossFit. You, you follow me on Facebook. That's not a secret to you. And, and um, I know this. I, I'm in there and I have it. With the cool thing about I've, I've learned so much. I, I, listened, I used to listen to all the haters about CrossFit. You don't do this. You don't do that. And, but now that I'm in there, I'm like, I love this. This is like my new favorite addiction right below coffee. And so I'm like, man, I can, I can do this. But you know what I realized about CrossFit? And I've only done it for four days. And I went to go the fifth day. And my body's like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> you're not doing that. And um, I was talking trash to, um, to my coach. I don't know what they're called, instructor. Um, and they come to our church, um, Lee. And I was making fun of him. His, his son fell last, last night and had to get stitches. And, and he, or Friday night, and he had to get stitches. And I said, and he said, oh, he's tough. He's tough like me. He's fine. I said, you mean he's tough like your wife? <laughs> and he said, um, I'm going to have a special workout for you for the next two weeks. <laughs> when you walk into the gym, there's a bunch of whiteboards. He's like, I'm going to take a whiteboard and just make it all. This is the Wesley whiteboard. And um, 
But here's what I realized. If I had to go to the gym, and it's been my, the, the thing that I wanted to be in when I started this church, I, I like to be healthy. I like to be working out and, and moving around. I realized that's the thing I've been missing the most in, my, in this church because I've been so busy. This is motivating me. But what I realized is this, is that I can go farther. I can go farther with Lee pushing me. I can go farther. If it was up to me, I would have quit like a minute into the workout. There's <laughs> this timer. Once it starts, I don't look at the timer. I just trust that Lee's going to say, hey, it's over. I'm waiting for him to say it's over. And when I want it to be over, usually it's about a minute into the workout, and it takes a lot longer. But it was I can go farther with people in my life. You know what Lee said to me? Lee said, man, I just, you've helped me. And I got to, I'm learning more about Lee's journey when I'm there with him. He said, man, I just, I'm thankful for you. I'm, I'm in a, this is a new season for me. He grew up in a religious environment, and he said, this is moving into a relational environment for me with this Jesus thing. And he said, I can just, I feel better. And so I just realized this. I was telling my neighbor yesterday, you've got to do life with people. When you have people in your life, you can get further. Sure, you can go fast by yourself. But God has made for us to be in life and doing life together with people. And we're healthier when we're with people. We can be stronger when we have other people around us. We can push stronger. We can be faster, stronger if we have people in our life. And so I want to help you. I want to be the person in your life. When you come in here today, when you come in here on a Sunday morning, I want to pour into you. And I, want to, I want to talk to you and spend time with you. And when I, when I do that, I want to be able to pour into this church. I want to be able to pour into you guys individually because I want you to be stronger. I want you to be further along your journey. I have people doing that. We have four overseers that just pour into me and pour into Zion. They make sure I'm doing the right thing. I have other people in my life. My youth pastor called me this week and said, I've been terrible at encouraging you. I need to encourage you more. I need to spend more time talking to and pouring into you. And so we are stronger. I woke up on Friday morning. I drove all the way 35 minutes across town to have breakfast with one of my mentors. He's 76 years old because I need people pouring into my life because I'm stronger when I have people pour into my life. I'm better when I have people pouring into my life. And today I want to pour into your life if you allow me to. And um, there's the verse that I want to camp out on today. And then I want to share a story with you and I want to be done. I want to give you hugs at the door and send you on your way. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of stingy gets smaller and smaller. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. If I were to sit across from you today and I would ask you, do you want your world to get larger? Not your waist, your world. Now your arms, but your world. Do I, do you, would you like your world to get bigger? And you would sign up for that. You'd be like, where do I sign up at for my world to get larger? Because I would like that. Where do I sign up for generosity at? Because if generosity leads to my world getting larger, and generosity is, we, we say this in our church, generosity is one of our core values, and, and generosity comes from Jesus. But if we're going to be generous, how do I get there? How, how do I do that? Because I want my world to get larger. And the Bible says this, the opposite is true, but the world, the stingy, gets smaller and smaller, and how many of you, you, if I were to ask you, say, do you want your world to get smaller? You would say, no. Do you want your capacity to get smaller? No. Do you want your bank account to get smaller? God, no. If I were to ask you, do you want your world to get smaller? You would say, no, I want my world to get larger. I want my capacity to get larger. I want my influence to get larger. We should all want that. Because when our world gets larger, we're, we're able to influence people. When we can influence people, we can introduce people to Jesus. So we are called to be a part of people's life, so our world, so we're, we're going to be people's life. The word, the word, the Bible, God's word uses the word discipleship. So we're called to make disciples. We should want our influence. If you're a believer here today, you should want your influence to get stronger. You should want your following to get larger because God has put inside you something Himself, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and He's called us to influence other people, and we're called to influence people. 
We want our world to get larger. The Bible says the world that generous gets larger and larger, but the world that's stingy gets smaller and smaller. Here's what I know about you today. If I were to ask you the question, do you want your world to get larger, you would say yes. But here's what I realize. We live in it. We, a lot of us in here today, we live strapped. And one of the areas that we live strapped in is we live strapped in our financial house. In the area of our finances, we live strapped. And week one, we talked about the voices inside of our head, and they strap us. They constrict us. They stop us from going to where, where we want to be. And, um, and, and, we, and we're gonna, next week is going to be awesome. But we're working through this idea of being unstrapped, having the straps taken off us. Last week, we talked about being relationally strapped. Some of us, we're so, we're so relationally strapped. We don't want that. And when it comes to our finances, we're strapped too. I was, I was, um, I was at home on Tuesday night. And Dinah walked up to me, and she handed me this check right here, and this check was for $1,000. And I was like, this is awesome. And she's like, that's for the church. I said, oh, I said, who gave it to me? And she said, oh, so-and-so gave it to me. I said, what's it for? She said, it's to go to Haiti. And I'm like, someone just dropped. I didn't even ask for $1,000. I just I told the church we're going to give 20% of our offerings away to Haiti. And she goes, we, this person wanted to give that to, to the church to, to send that to Haiti. And I was like, man, that's awesome. But I realized that's a person who is generous. And the Bible says that people that are generous, the world gets larger and larger, but the world seems to get smaller and smaller. And so I started looking at their life. It's hard to be strapped. It's hard to be generous when you're strapped. Would you just agree to shake your head? It's hard to be generous when you're strapped. Even if it's your time. We have a group of volunteers that come here. We have four teams that come every single Saturday night at 5 p.m. And they set this place up for an hour and a half. The seat you sit in today, just so you know, we don't have a button that flips the switch and all this stuff rolls out. <laughs> that would be awesome. Some of you guys are like, oh, I can invent that for the church. <laughs> If it could be done, it would already been done by now. This is not the first time the setup church happened. It happened in the Bible and it happened today. But, but man, we walk in here today and we, we pick up a trailer and that trailer unloads itself with people. <laughs> and the, the floor that's down below you, we, there, a floor goes down. It's, it's pulled out by people. And you don't want to see what's behind these curtains. That's the aftermath. I call it the aftermath section. It's, it's the danger zone. There's cords back there. Everything. We hide a lot of stuff that happens Back here, and so you can be. It's hard to be if you want to be generous with your time. It's hard that when you're strapped for time. Wes, I want to pour into people. I want to be in a, in a community group. I want to love people. I want to pour into people. But it's when you when you have a little bit of time or you're strapped relationally, it's hard to be in that. So I want to talk to you today about the area of your finances. And now here's here's the deal. I've been in church for long enough to know that you're thinking already. This is gonna be one of those sermons where he's gonna tee it up. He's gonna ask us to give more. And you know that if you've been here long enough, you know we typically do whatever is normal. We try to flip the script and do the opposite of it. I want to help you leave here today thinking I can get ahead of my finances. I can, live, I can live a life that's financially generous and not be strapped. Because I know this person here, they're, they're not strapped. The, the lady that called me and said, hey, I, I'm at, we had a, cu- a couple calls and said, hey, we're at such and such, and we're going to pick up four cases of this. And, and the list goes on of people who are just generous. I had a guy call me yesterday. He goes, hey, I'm coming to set up today. I'm not even on this week, but I'm going to come help set up anyways. That's someone who is generous. And I'm watching that guy go through the, uh, this area of generosity, and his, I'm watching his world get larger and larger. His opportunity and his influence is getting larger and larger. And we are called to be our, God wants our world to get larger and larger. He wants to enlarge in your territory. We believe as a church, we believe in abundance, not just enough. God, God says that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But God says, I've come to give you an abundant life. And so we just believe in that. It's one of our core values is generosity. One of our core values is not living and being strapped. And so I want to help you get financially strapped. And here's the deal. If you're financially strapped, it affects so much of your life. You know the number one, 51% of marriages end in divorce in North America. 
You want to know the number one reason why divorces happen? Financial problems. That's why. Everyone's fighting about money. So isn't it important that we address this topic? Because we're pro-marriages. We're, our church is pro-marriage. And if we're pro-marriage, we've got to tackle the number one marriage killer, and it's finances. I also realize this. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Bible talks about finances. There's over 2,000 references for finances in the Bible. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's outside of Jesus. That's the largest topic in the Bible. Do you, is, do you think it might be important? Maybe. I think so. I was at a, um, and, and, and here's the deal, the world will sell you, the world will sell you that debt's a good thing to have. I remember when I was in college, and it's no secret yet in here today that you know I like clothes. That's what I like. Yesterday I got a, um, I got a, a, a gift card in the mail. And I, you know me, I, I'm a, I'm not, my love language is gifts. I can smell money and I can smell gift cards. <laughs> Pray for me. If you give me a card today, I'm going to feel what's in it. I'm going to know what's in it by touching it because I'm a gift guy. I'll know if it's a check. I'll know if it's cash. I'll know if it's a gift card. You're like, what is wrong with this guy? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but I, uh, I got, this, got this card, and um, I, I like gifts. I had a guy walk up to me, and he goes, you know, what, you know what month it is? I'm like, yes, I know what month it is. And he walked to me and goes, yeah, I got you a gift. And this guy is not really, uh, it, was, it was a vicious gift that he gave me. It was a, it was a toolbox. <laughs> I looked down, like, nothing about me says toolbox, bro. But he got so sick of me asking to borrow tools because I'm trying to use these tools. When I say using tools, I mean I'm getting them and I'm giving them to my wife, and my wife is using the tools. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My first toolbox was a lunchbox that had Pluto on it. Like, I'm just like, all these men in the church, they're trying to man me up some. Rob said to me one time, you need to come to think, it's called man camp. <laughs> I'm like, why do I need to go to man camp? <laughs> He's like, because you're wearing skinny jeans. No, I'm just kidding. They're trying to bring along. See, this guy, uh, Steve Cannon, he goes, hey, I want to give you this toolbox. I'll leave it in the truck. He goes, I want you to just add tools to it. I'm like, where do you get tools from? <laughs> but I, he's like, you need to have some tools. Like, every man should have some tools. Like, be, what he was saying was, he's like, I'm going to help you. Come on, son. <laughs> I want to help you. I remember in college walking into one of my favorite stores. It was called Structure. And now it's called Express, for those of you guys that know that. And I remember seeing... I remember walking up to the counter with these two articles of clothes. My dad's here. My dad and my mom would send me 250 bucks a month when I was in college. Like, if your parents aren't doing that for you, don't, don't say, hey, Wes's parents gave him 250 bucks a month. I got lucky, and I worked that system as long as I could. Eventually, my dad was like, hey, you got to get a job. <laughs> uh, my mom was like, hey, I know you're homesick. My mom, my mom and dad are awesome. But my mom sent me one time. She fried me some chicken mashed potatoes, vegetables, I don't remember what it was because I didn't care about that, some gravy, and, some, and a pack of brownies. And she put it in a container, and she over, overnighted it or same-dated it to me from Florida, from Orlando, all the way to Missouri. Come on, do I got the best parents in the world or what? So I worked that system as long as I could, but I walked in one day, and the system started getting less. My dad's like, all right, 100 bucks a month. I'm like, man, this whole dwindling me off system, I don't like this system. So I walk to the counter, and the lady says, do you have an express credit card? And I'm like, no, what's that? I never had a credit card before in my life. She's like, well, if you open up the day, it's, it's, it's um, same as cash for 90 days. Like, you know you're strapped when you're financing clothes. Like, that's just, that's a, that in case you're like trying to figure out, if you're in here, like, I wonder if I'm strapped or not. That's, you know you're strapped. So I'm, I'm financing clothes. 
And so and I walked to the counter, and she goes, if you open this credit card, those jeans, you can, you can get 90s paid off, and those jeans will be buy one, get one free. So I'm like, this is great. Fast forward, those two pairs of jeans cost me about $400. <laughs> and I had just, I had, I had lived strapped. I, I, I guess I get a little bit older. I, I, Diane and I, for the first five years of marriage, we just went into debt. <laughs> we were happy, and we were in love, and we were just going into debt together. <laughs> And we were going to debt together, and we we're fighting. You want to know why we're fighting? Because money makes you fight, or it makes you stupid. One of the two things. And so we're just going to debt, and for the first five years, so I went to Diana's dad. I'm like, hey, I need some help financially. And he said, go talk to Derek. And Derek led up here today, and, he's, and he said, I went to Derek, and I said, hey, he said, you need to go to this class. It's called, it's called Dave Ramsey. And I'm like, okay. So I didn't go talk to Derek. I'm not going to talk to this younger guy. What does he know? So I just... Anyways, I let it go a whole year. Another year later, I'm in more debt. I'm more strapped. I've got, I've got more straps on me than possible, living paycheck to paycheck, not being able to breathe, fighting with my wife, all because of not having my financial house in order. And so we went for the first five years of marriage into debt, and the end of the story is great because the last six years we've been, next two or three years we climbed out of debt, and now we're going into surplus. And God is allowed, because we're getting out, being you know, strapped, we're able to be generous. We're able to help people that need help. We're able to serve people that need to be served. And so as we're going through this, I, I realize, man, I have lived out what it means to be strapped financially. I've lived it out. I, went, I, I bought Dinah's, Dinah's uh, wedding ring on a credit card. That ring got more expensive by the month. <laughs> like, this guy's an idiot. But I'll tell you now, I, I can, we, Diane and I, we, we crush at finances. You want to know why? Because we got sick of being strapped. And so, you know, I'll just tell you my story, and then I'll get into the Bible, because that's why you came anyways. You know what helped? This is going to blow your mind. We were opening up our checkbook every single Sunday and writing a tithe check. <clears throat> All day long. 10% here, 11%. Our giving has gone up. Kept on get, our generosity has gone up, gone up, gone up. But you know what we didn't have? This is going to sound stupid when I say it. It's stupid coming out of my mouth already. We didn't have a budget. If you don't have a budget, your money goes wherever it wants to go. You don't got to ask it. It just gets going wherever it wants to go. We just didn't have a budget. So if you, you can give all you want. That's why, my, that's why this message is about giving all you want. Giving all, give, give to God. Give to the church. I'm not asking you about that. I'm, I, you're going to give. God's, when God, I, I believe this. I've said this a long time. When God has your heart, he has your checkbook. That's just a freebie. That's like, so I'm not here to ask you to give more money to the church. We're going to be fine. And Dinah says in our, in our next steps class, we always say this, that the church will be fine if nobody. If, if, this is God's church. This isn't our church. So we don't, we don't have to beg, borrow, and steal to get money here. God's going to take care of it. But I've always said this. If you, I used to always say, man, if you tithe, God's going to bless you. If you tithe, God's going to bless you. If you tithe, God's going to bless you. But I realized this. That's not true. I preached that for five years. You have to tithe, and you have to have a budget. So if you don't have, for us, we got on a budget, it changed our life. And so that's just a free piece of advice. Another piece of advice I want to give you today is if when you leave here today, would you Google Dave Ramsey, and would you just look into it? And would you give it a try, change your life? I will say that we're going to offer the Dave Ramsey class in the new year. Because I don't want you to live, I don't want to come here and encourage you and pour into you spiritually, but not help you practically either in your practical life. So I want to help you get to that place in your life where you can be able to say the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I want to read a story to you today of a lady, she was strapped in the Bible. There are people in the Bible that are strapped, over 2,000 references to money in the Bible. It must be an important, um, important topic to God. First Kings chapter 17. If you have a Bible, great. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screens. First Kings chapter 17. Before we get into this, 
the prophet Elijah, we read his story two weeks ago in 1 Kings chapter 18. And he had a, it was a story called, the, in the Bible it's called the, 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 con, the contest at Mount Carmel. And you remember Elijah said, hey, there's going to be no more rain. And he said, no more rain, no more rain. Well, there's no more rain for three, for three years. Elijah comes back into town and says, hey, the rain's coming. And they try to kill him for three years. So backstory, he says, there's no rain. We find him right here. Well, Elijah has, there's no rain. There's no food. He's strapped. And so we find him in this place in his life where God is supplying him his food. God's supplying him his water. First Kings chapter 17, the Bible says this. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. In verse 2. So he goes on hiding. In verse 2. The Lord said, Elijah, now I want you to go east and hide by the brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, or I, for I have, commanded you, I have commanded them to bring you food. So he's going to go stay by a brook, and birds are going to bring him food. How many of you guys know in here that he wasn't getting a lot of food? That's like morsels. Like he ain't getting a lot of birds bringing you food. Like I want, like a, I want like someone to bring me, I want, if someone's going to bring you steak, it ain't going to be a little bird. If God said, hey, go sit down, I'm going to have a lion bring you your food. That would be a little bit more, I'd be a little more encouraged than that because he's going to bring in some steak. <laughs> he's going to bring some beef and all the, all the guys say amen. I want some substance. Not, he, these birds are bringing him food. I don't know how much he's bringing, but it's enough food. And so as we go down the store, he's drinking water from this brook and someone's bringing him a food. So Elijah, Elijah did exactly as God had told him. He camped beside the Kareth brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up. For there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. He became strapped for food. Verse 8. Then Elijah said, Then the Lord said, Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have introduced, I'm sorry, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So this lady who's lost her husband is gonna be the is gonna take care of you with food. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he says to her, would you please bring me a little water and cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, oh, bring me some food too. Hey, girl, hey, bring me some food too. Bring me some water and some food. A widow is gathering sticks to make a fire to either cook or to be warm, one of the two. And she gets to this place where she, and she, this guy comes walking to her who she's never met before and says, hey, can you give me a cup of water? I ran out of water. Long story short, but I was staying by the brook and the birds were bringing me food and the water, it dried up. So now I'm here getting some more food from you and some water from me. He says, hey, could you bring me some food too? But, he, but she said, I swear to you. If anyone says, I swear to you, that's like, I'm, I'm, I promise you by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal so me and my son can eat our last bit of food and we can die. That's depressing. <laughs> cool, we're on our last meal. You just asked for it? No. That was a polite way of saying it, which I give her credit for that. You know, uh, you know this is a nice, sweet lady. I would have been like, no, bro, get your own food. How, where have you been at? We've been in famine. Here you're asking me for food and you're asking me for water. And I just, I ain't got it, bro. I'll put some on it, but I ain't got it. I just don't have what you need. Keep on walking. Find a rich person. They'll take care of you because I'm strapped. 
I don't have a husband. I've got one son. It's our last meal, so we can eat our food and we can die. That's what we're doing right now. We're not, we're not doing anything extra. And he says to her, Elijah says to her, um, don't be afraid. Well, duh, she's afraid. That's why God's put it there. And if you're strapped in here financially, you live in fear. That's normal. That's why he says, don't be afraid, because he knows, hey, she says, hey, don't live in fear. I would be living in fear. I lived in fear every single month. When, I, when we were strapped, I lived in fear of every single month. You know what I was, fear, I was living in fear of? An overdraft protection charge. <laughs> You've been there before? Like, you're like, God, you, or I have any fear? Like, when you go to slide that car, you're like, God, let it go through. <laughs> and when you don't want it, when you're praying for it to go slew, through, you pull it slow. When you first get paid, you're like, bam, no big deal. But if it's like, if it's every other week, you know what it's like. You get paid, you're like, Thursday, you're like, come on, God. And you're like praying, like you're, you're praying that automatic deposit came in early. It's the longest pool ever. You, like, you don't even use your hand. You just go like this. But the day you get paid, pop. You don't even care. Like a boss. But when you, when you live strapped, you're, you're afraid. I don't know if this is going to go through. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job because I've got no reserves. I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to. Eat and, and, and being, I was talking to a friend of mine, he goes, we were so poor, we, we almost couldn't afford to eat. That's poor. In America, we don't really, and, and it's hard because we're looking at this and you're like, man, I'm strapped. And the poorest person here is richer than half the world. So if you're thinking, say, I mean, I'm not going to make it, I want you to know you're going to make it. You're going to be able to get ahead. Because I thought for, for four, five years, I mean, I'm just going to live strapped the rest of my life and it's going to be my lifestyle. But eventually, it's possible to get out of it. But Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. <laughs> Typical guy. Let me get mine first. Uh, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and then your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she, and she and Elijah and her son continued to eat there for many days. They're having meals every day. For there was also enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, but just as the Lord had promised to Elijah. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. Uh, let me stop there. The story gets more complicated, but I, I want to spend some time today talking about how do you go, how do you go from being strapped, full pendulum, to where you're living a life of generosity, Okay. Now, here's the deal. I've been, <clears throat> I'm going to speak today from experience, okay? I've been around people that I'll never have as much money as they'll ever have. I have. But I've also, from the time I, from the, the, the time I met Diana in 2002, 2003, I've, I got on an airplane, and I was going, I've been all around the world. I've been to five, of the, I've been to five continents. I've seen poverty in a lot of different ways. And a lot of you guys in this room, we've been to places like Nicaragua. We've been to places, South America, Central America, where there's no, I've been to Haiti two times, where there's no, there's no cost of living because it's contingent upon the crops. I've been, I've been everywhere. So I've been with the poorest people in the world. Where I, I've been to Nairobi, Kenya, where kids are walking around with 10 cents of shoe glue and they're huffing glue on their nose. That's how they're getting to kill the hunger pains and to be high because they're, they're so strapped, physically strapped, spiritually strapped, mentally. I've been, I've been there. So he's walking around, his huffing. I've, I've been there. I've been to 
uh, Manila, Philippines, where you're stacked, people are stacked in a little house the size of a four by eight, one of these, where people are just laid out in there. I've seen where people have their, their table, they move their table, um, they don't, they, they move their table, and then it also becomes their bed, it also is their living room, it's also their bathroom, it's also their kitchen, it's also their, also their living room. I've seen that happen before, so I've been with the poorest people, and I've been with some of the, the richest people. And I want to tell you how I, what, I've, what I've observed, okay? Because you can have nothing and be generous. Did you know that? You can have nothing and still be generous. But here's this flip side. You can have everything and be stingy. So there's no, like, perfect, like, you're, there's no perfect formula. Like, man, Wes, if I could be rich, then I would just bless, and I would, and if I could, if I would, that's not the answer. If I could just, because people have a lot and they, they, and they give a little. Or they have a lot and they give nothing and their world gets smaller. You can have a lot and your world gets smaller and smaller. And so I want to tell you what I have seen, what I see in this lady's life, what I've seen in people's life who are generous, okay? Here's the first thing. And Jeremiah, you can come on. Here's what I've seen. People that are generous, here's what they realize. Number one, God owns everything. He owns everything. The, the, the most generous people that I know, they're like, God owns everything, and I emulate that. You, you've, you've heard me enough time. My car that I have, it isn't my car. It's God's car. The house I own, it's God's house. People that are generous, they realize that God owns everything. The people that I know, they're just, and I'm talking about people who are, have little and people who have a lot. The key ingredient people who are generous, they believe this, that God owns everything. This isn't mine. The Bible tells us this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it belongs to God. God owns everything. That's encouraging to me. It may be discouraging for you. Some be like, oh, man, God's a narcissist. No, he owns everything. The Bible also tells that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, a.k.a. God owns everything. That's encouraging for me because if I need something, who, where do I get to go? The guy who owns everything. And you and I here today, if you're here today, you're thinking, man, I'm strapped. Well, here's the deal. You know the guy that owns everything. But maybe you haven't gone to him yet. Or maybe you're not ready to go to him yet, but God owns everything. The key ingredient, if you were to become generous, I've realized that people that are generous, they realize that God owns everything they have. God owns 100% of it. It's all, it's all God's. I was with a guy recently, and he said, oh, man, I, 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 I like the church. I like to serve. I like to do this. I do this, but I'm not giving my money to, to church. I'm not giving my money to God. And I'm smiling. And the guy's bigger than me, so I wiped the smile off my face really quick. <laughs> You know, I think sometimes big guys just want to just, you know, sometimes ladies want to hit me. When you realize that God owns everything, it's safe. So the guy says, ah, I don't want to give my money. And I was like, the problem with that statement is it's not your money. I mean, it makes, when you don't own anything, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weight off your chest. God's owned every, God owns everything. I'll be honest with you. When I, when we, when we started this church, God made it really quick to me made it really, made it apparent really quick to me, hey, you don't own this thing. This isn't yours. It's not Diana's. You don't own this. It's not yours. I own all this still. He reminds you all the time, hey, this isn't yours. This isn't yours, Wes. The earth is the Lord's. This church is God's. You belong to God. Everything I have belongs to God. And everything in it, the world and all its people belong to God. And God want to remind me that it's not mine because of point number two. I'm just a manager. The Bible uses the word steward and the word manager in the New Testament. I'm just a manager. That's all I'm here to do. I'm here to steward what God brings to us. I was golfing with my dad a few weeks ago, and I said, Dad, I just honestly, 
the thing I struggle with is I want to be out every night of the week inviting people to church. I want to go and I want to, I want to go and just bring them all myself. And my, God, my dad said to me, he's like, is it God's church or is it your church? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> you don't say it to your, I, still don't, I never said it to my dad before, I don't say it now. <laughs> You're like, oh, he says shut up to his dad. I didn't do that. In my mind, sometimes in my mind it just starts talking. I might have said it, I don't remember. No, I'm just kidding, I didn't say it. My dad will still hit me because I got spanked as a kid and that's why I survived. I think everyone ought to be spanked at least once in life. And you haven't been spanked yet, see me after church, I can get a parent in here to spank you. Um, <clears throat> I'm just a manager. I'm just here to steward what God's given me. I get my kids for 18, 19, 20 years of their life, I'm just gonna steward them until they, until they move on. I'm just here to steward them. The vehicle I have, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take good care of it. I'm just gonna take good care of it. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm whatever I get, I'm just gonna steward it well. If God gives me something, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do a really good job at just managing it because He's called me to manage it. If someone comes into this church and wants to be a part of what we're doing, I want to do a good job at just come inside them and loving them and encourage them and pouring into them because I want to steward that well. Everything I have, I just want to steward it well. I want to manage well. I want to manage well. The cool thing about being, here's what I realized about playing the church. I never worried about anything when I worked for Diana's dad. Well, you're not in charge. You don't think about the finances. You don't think about when people call you and say, hey, I'm not coming today. I've just been a youth pastor, small groups pastor. I just, we just worked in areas, but when you're, the, when you're the guy in charge of the whole thing, it's harder. Found that out. I told Brad and Lisa, I don't, I was like excited to start the church. But I had no idea how much work it was gonna take to sustain it. I'm just gonna manage well. I'm gonna manage my house well. I'm gonna do my best to manage, manage my family well and love them. And, and then when people come here, I'm gonna manage that well and love that well. I'll, I'll say this, I'm gonna, the finances of this church, I get to have a say in that. I'm gonna do a well with that. And you, you're at a good place because you're at a church where you're, if the pastor was strapped, then your church would be strapped. Because I, I believe this, whatever happens to me, I think a lot of times I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a determining factor for the way the church is gonna go. You want a pastor who's doing well in his, in his house. The Bible says that leaders, you gotta be able to manage your house well. I suck at it sometimes, stink at it sometimes. But I do the best I can. I work hard. I want to outwork. I don't have any special graces that you don't have. We have the same graces. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work overtime. Because I want to manage well. You know that phrase, it's on your money. It's on everyone's money. People probably want to take it off. It's coming off the license plate tag. It's that phrase, in God we trust. Isn't it funny that that's on money? You never thought about it before. I didn't either until I heard someone say it. So, so much smarter than me. Someone saw me today and said, you look smarter today. I said, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I want to trust God with all that I have. My whole entire being. I want to steward this body well. I want to steward my mind well. I want to steward, I want to steward my, my thoughts well, my spiritual life. I want to cultivate it. I want to, everything I have, I want to steward it well. You want to know why? Because God asked me to do that. God asked me to do that. And here's also, here's the second reason why I want to steward it well. God, God owns everything. I'm just a manager. And here's the third thing that's, that's not in the notes. Is this. Is God has bought me. He bought me. 
He bought me. You're like, what does that mean, Wes? The Bible says that you were bought with a price. I was bought with a price. I was. And you were. You know the price? You want to know what the price was in here today? The price was a man that lived in earth, that lived in heaven, came down to earth, lived a perfect life, his whole entire life. That man was captured. He was beat. Beat basically beyond recognition. He was flogged, which is a, which is a one inch bamboo stick soaked in water. And he was whipped. And they took a cat of nine tails and they would take this whip and they put glass and metal and concrete tied at the very end. And, and he was whipped. Not for his own transgressions, not for his own sins, but for my sins. For my sins and for your sins. I was bought with a price. I was bought with a price. And the reason why Jesus did that, I believe, it was God's plan, yes. But B, is because Jesus wanted to model generosity. Jesus is the perfect model of generosity. Wes, does God want my son? He didn't want your son. Does he want my daughter? No. I got four kids. I don't know if he wants one of them, but it'd make life a little bit easier if he took one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's hard. But I realized I would never want to give one of my sons to die on the cross for Vanessa's sins. I love her, not that much. <laughs> but God sent his own and only son from earth, from heaven to earth to be the King James says the propitiation or to be the payment for my sins. He bought us. Because he wanted to model this idea of stewardship and managing. He, God wanted to model that for us. I know you're gonna have a hard time with this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you that. I'm gonna, give, I'm gonna give you all so you can see what generosity looks like. So you can get a taste of what generosity looks like. And then he says later, the Bible tells us that we're, we're called to present our body as a, a living sacrifice. We're supposed to pour ourselves out. Kirk spoke a few weeks ago and he used the word surrender. And I've been talking to you guys. And I've heard three or four of you guys say the word surrender. I, I took that and I, I adopted it. I want to surrender. I want to surrender. Can I ask you a question today? Are you fully surrendered to God? Because here's why I'm asking you. Because he's fully surrendered to you. God is fully surrendered to you. Are you fully surrendered to him? Does he have your marriage? Does he have the relationships that you're in? Does he have your mind? The Bible says in, in the New Testament, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Is, is God in your mind? Is he in your thoughts? Is he in your actions? Is he in your, in your stewardship and management of your, of your finances or your resources? Because when he is, everything starts to be a little bit different. Everything starts to, to change. I was with a guy um, recently and, you know, I just, someone asked me, how do you, uh, Lee asked me, how do you write your sermons? I said, honestly, I'm with people all the time. That's what I do for a living. I'm hang, I hang out with people. It's the best job in the world. <laughs> and I just talk to them and have conversations with them. And typically from that, I walk into Sunday mornings and God gives me a word 
and I wrap it around the stories I share or, or stories I'm sharing with people that I'm interacting with and because you guys come because you want to hear God's word, but God's word has to come alive also. And when it, I, I try to bring it alive in, in, in the form of stories. Um, <clears throat> but I, uh, I'm going to share this one with you, okay? And all of that to say, I don't, I don't get permission to tell my stories. My wife said to me, you probably should ask these people if you can share their stories. I just take the name out. Um, I'm creative like that. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I had a guy come to me this a couple weeks ago and said, I want to give you this. I'm going to give this to the church. It's my first gift that I'm giving to the church. And here's what I realized. I took that and I'm like, that is the picture that Jesus wants for our life. You want to know what it is? It's us coming to God and saying, God, here's my first. Here's just my, this is my first, God. I'm, I'm just going to give you, I'm going to give you the first, God. And then I'm going to manage the rest. I'm going to give you the first, and I'm just going to manage what's left. Can I tell you what I've realized? 90%, 90% of my finances or 85% or whatever you give, if you give God first, the rest is always going to be what it's supposed to be. I was talking to a guy today. I said, how's your ministry? How is it with, with your fundraising? He goes, honestly, it's never enough. We could always use more. But you know what? It's always what God wants us to have. And I'm like, it's always, want, it's always what God wants us to have. So here's my question for you today. Are you giving God your first? Because when we give him his first, when we give God the first, and I'm not don't leave here like, oh, I'm not coming back ever again. He just wants our money. I don't. I'm just, does, he get, does he get your life? Does he, does he have your life? I, I, I shared this a few weeks ago. God can do a lot with the life that's fully given to him. It's, honestly, he's creative, but he, he does his best work when we're fully in with him. That's when he does his best work. This is my friend so-and-so. They came to this church. Why did they come? Because they noticed a difference in me. Why are there no difference in you? Because I fully gave my life to Christ. When I fully give my life to Christ, people look at you and say, oh, that looks different. Oh, I like that. That looks good. Oh, you're changing. Oh, you're actually happy. You can have joy and you have peace and you have patience and you have kindness. That looks good to me. I want that. How'd you get that? I went fully in with Jesus. And because I went fully in with Jesus, the byproduct of that is people looking at my life and saying, man, I want that. So I'm done. That's my new ending now. I just got to say I'm done because if not, I'll keep talking to you guys because I love you guys and you're, you listen well. <laughs> or you're trying to slow me down and understand what I'm saying. One of the two. I don't know. I want what's best for, I want God's best for your life. That's why I'm up here. That's what I wake up and I think about. That's why I can't go to sleep at night. I think about how do I give these guys something how do I give my friends, these are my friends, people that I love, how do I give them something that they can take with them all week long? And the thing I kept on going with the guys, like, man, if they just give their life to, if they, give their, if they go fully in with Jesus, man, everything's going to look different. The world of the generous gets larger and larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And here's what typically happens. You get going through life and you're like, my world's not getting smaller. You can have a lot of money. I told a couple of weeks. you can have a lot of money and still not live the blessed life. That doesn't make any sense. I know it doesn't. You can, live a, you can live, God's economy does not work the way ours works. 
our economy tells us this, spend as much as you can, and if you don't have enough, take out a credit card. And here God is saying, he who, God says stuff like, if you don't work, you don't eat. The Bible says stuff like, <clears throat> save, he who saves always has. The Bible says, the Bible uses the word, people that are saving up, they're, they're actually wise people. Then it gets this whole giving thing, and it's like, oh, get, the Bible says give, give, and it'll be given unto you. It makes no sense. Just nod your head. That makes no sense. I know. Because you're like, that makes, that makes no sense. I, God doesn't make sense a whole lot of times. I wish he did, because it'd make a lot of sense if he made sense, but he doesn't make sense. Give, and it'll be given unto me. He knew it was going to be hard. You know what he says in Malachi? Try me. Try this and see what happens. Try me and let's just see what happens. And here's the thing why he says that, because God already knows what's going to happen on the other side. The key is we got to get to the other side. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Word of prayer.